Good afternoon. Thank you for joining me again for Business, the Law and You. Julian Campbell here. We've got another interesting show lined up for you this week. A bit later in the program, we'll have a look at a couple of our Harvard Business Review tips. This one, one of them, is going to be make a great first impression. We know how important that is, so there's a few tips coming that way. We're also going to have a chat with Christina about uh, some of those latest innovative products. But right now, we're going to talk with Angela Simmons from Renew Australia. Good afternoon, Angela. Good afternoon, Julian. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us. And I suppose the first big question is, who or, or what is Renew Australia? Absolutely. Great question. Well, Renew Australia is a national social enterprise, and we're designed to catalyse community renewal, economic development, and the arts and creative industries across Australia. So we do that by working with communities and property owners to take otherwise empty shops, offices, commercial and public buildings and make them available to interstate for short-term use by artists, creative projects, community initiatives and startups. So essentially what we do is we look for empty spaces and we try and negotiate the use of those for free rent for people to start a business or an enterprise or an artistic practice with little to no overheads to trial their idea and see if it works before they go into a commercial lease. So so I believe you're looking at the Maitland area. Uh, what is the scoping project uh, in Maitland about? Well, we have been engaged by the Maitland City Council to do a scoping study to see if a Renew Australia type project would be viable in Maitland. Now that doesn't just include the levy itself, that includes the larger Maitland area including East Maitland uh, and in fact the Rutherford Industrial Park. So what we're looking to do is find out if a project would be viable and if it would be viable, how would that project be run? making sure that it is tailored to the context of the Maitland community and the needs of the people in Maitland. So so how does the activation model work then? So it's really, really simple. We look to find vacant spaces and we create a three-way agreement between the property owner, Renew Australia, and the potential participant going into that space. They're then given a 30-day rolling licence to use the space rent-free. But in that time, it's really important that the owner understands that their property remains up for lease or for sale and can be used to can be shown as an active space to a potential commercial tenant. They only then have to give a 30 days notice to our participants, so if they need to, they can move out quickly. We also cover the public liability, which covers broken glass insurance and is provided to the property, and sometimes that may in fact reduce the insurance cost for the property owner when the property is just left vacant otherwise. So essentially, it's a pretty easy to get involved in projects. It is a solution for vacancy and we're looking to increase the foot traffic, increase the value of the properties and try and make Maitland a much more buzzing area full of startups and creative new ideas. So who, who would you like to be talking to then? Well, there's a couple of people. We've already engaged a lot of people in Maitland, but what we're doing now is calling out to any of those property owners who may have some questions about our project to find out if they would be interested in joining us should the project proceed. 
We have a survey online on our Facebook page at Renew Australia that all property owners for commercial properties are welcome to fill out anonymously about our project to give us some feedback on whether they whether they think it's a good idea or not, but also with some suggestions there to say if you would be involved, what would be a benefit to you and what would you like to see as part of the program in Maitland? So we'd love to hear from any commercial property owners, whether they have a vacant space or a tenanted space, to find out how they feel about this particular project. And, and the potential participants, who would, who would qualify to be a participant? Well, look, it's really interesting. These participants don't just come from the creative industries, but can be anyone who produces or makes their own wares. So, of course, that includes people like painters and sculptors, but it also includes graphic designers, architects, other social enterprises and not-for-profits, people who are looking to start a business but are a little bit cautious about how to proceed and want an opportunity to trial their ideas. So as long as you make your product or produce your product, you would qualify for one of our projects. So really, it's a, it's a win-win situation for a whole group of people, isn't it? Absolutely, and it's an opportunity, as I said earlier, to trial an idea without the overheads. As you know, when you start a business, signing something like a commercial lease can be really, really daunting and mm. out of a lot of, out of the, the reach of a lot of people. With this program, it allows people to figure out if their idea is going to work or if they need to amend their idea to make it more successful. So, so this, this idea, this, these projects have been tried in other areas, haven't they? Absolutely. We uh, started from the success of Renew Newcastle, mm. but Renew Australia has been established now because a lot of people tried to uh, replicate their success and found that they didn't have the structure and the processes in place to succeed. So Renew Australia works right across the country, working in small and large towns with both uh, governments and councils, but also private enterprises and property developers. And we just try and make sure that if there is vacant space that is being utilised instead of sitting there empty and idle. Mm. So uh, people interested, they uh, they should contact you either on your phone number, which I believe is 0399820785, or through your Facebook survey. Absolutely, absolutely. We'd love to hear from anyone in the Maitland area and we will be up there again at some point and we'd love to do further engagement and hopefully we will be able to get a project up and running in Maitland so the community can benefit. Well, if you'd like to let me know when you're in Maitland next time, I will certainly uh, tell our listeners. Fabulous. Thank you so much, Julie, and I really appreciate your time today. Thank you too, Angela. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Angela Simmons there from Renew Australia. Certainly we do know that uh, it was a very, very successful project in Newcastle. We did have Renew Newcastle. The idea has been taken right around Australia now. And as you've just heard, we're looking at Maitland or they're looking at Maitland. So that phone number again, uh, 0399820785 or their Facebook page, Renew Australia Time to pop over and have a chat with Christina. Good afternoon, Christina. Good afternoon, Julian. Have you warmed up yet? Oh, it's still a bit cool, isn't it? It is, certainly. It wasn't as, not as cold as it was yesterday <laughs> morning when I went for a walk, though, thank goodness. So uh, we've got a few uh, of the latest innovative products for us again, interesting one. Yeah, we do. So there's a, um, a product called Eva. And get this, it's been developed by an 18-year-old Mexican student 
Um, and it's a bra that's got built-in biosensors. And what that allows the bra to do is detect physical changes that could indicate breast cancers. Um, it's actually already won quite a few awards. Uh, it monitors, monitors um, levels of vitamin D, but it also monitors changes within the breast tissue itself. Uh, and they're further developing the concept. I mean, what a better way. It's another one of those der moments, really, like how better to detect changes in the breast than potentially using wearable tech, that, mm. you know. And apparently this bra has around 200 biosensors, maps the surface of the breasts, um, and the sensors can actually detect changes in temperature, blood flow, breast tissue, things like that. So... Quite a, and um, it's they're working on a on an app with it, um, and making it work via Bluetooth with an app, which is um, the way a lot of the the medical technology is actually going at the moment. You know, there will yeah. be something coming out soon about a local product that we know um, working with apps uh, and and some not new technology but different technology shortly. So that that will be a local thing that we'll talk about soon. Oh, so um, that, just that that one's a funny idea though with. Uh you know, something that would be washed every day, I would have thought that it would have been deteriorated somehow. Uh, all these things will be taken into account. I mean, you've got wearable <laughs> tech now that you can, that you, you know, um, that you wear in the shower, that you can wear underwater. Oh, I suppose. You know, the phones, the, the, the advances that are being made in, in medical tech that way, or not just medical tech, technology that way anyway. I mean, Fitbits, you know, Apple yeah. Watches, they could, they're all water resistant. They can go in water up to a certain amount. Um, so, you know, and potentially, I, I'm not sure whether um, the devices in that are removable. Okay. Uh, you know, it could be that, that, they're, that they sit within the bra, although I haven't read anything like that. It actually said that it was part of the unit. So okay. interesting to see where that goes. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's what it's being funded for for future development. Mm. Um, so the next, the next thing is, you know, brain implants. So we've, we've mentioned before the brain implants, but it's quite it's quite seriously being looked at. And there's a company that's just put you know over fifteen million dollars into um, into further development and investigation. The current brain implants are um, they're, they're the hard. You know, it's almost like opening a computer and seeing what the hard interfaces are like. So that's apparently what they're like. This new company has been um, received a fifteen million dollar, actually nearly sixteen million dollar grant over four years. And what they're doing is they're um, inventing a specific kind of device and they're aiming it at people with hearing, vision impairment, neurodegenerative diseases, um, but they're using a flexible silicon electric thing to do that. Things are very, um, you know, appropriate or very high-tech word that I'm using here. Uh, but the implantable device is more flexible and more hardy than the than the harder devices, okay. uh, and they're looking to connect. You know, the implanted chips mm. um, are flexible, therefore they won't they won't damage the brain tissue. They're lightweight, they're very comfortable, as opposed to the chips that they're currently used, which are you know the hard hard kind of chips. So, so, so basically, fixing up some of the problems that the brain is having. Yeah, and also yeah. sending out trans like sending out um, signals two different areas of the, the brain that aren't currently getting them, and that, yeah. that's part of the technology that's associated with that as well. Yeah. Uh, and then the last thing I thought we might have a think about is the ethics around self-driving cars and do should self-driving cars make ethical decisions? And they've done a, um, a study, there's been a study conducted overseas where they, they studied the ethical decisions that humans made under virtual reality. They used virtual reality to do it. This happened in Germany. Um, and they exposed 
certain, you know, a number of volunteers to making different ethical decisions um, dependent on ro- what would happen on the road. And they actually found um, that they could write an algorithm uh, around their reactions, which was quite... So it makes you wonder how we really are wired, even that, like, no pun intended to the, mm. to the conversation that we just had about the brain mm. um, sensors, but how are we wired... If, there, if we're that easy to read that there's an algorithm that can actually um, mimic our behaviours uh, in responses, you know, should so therefore the question is, should we give self-driving cars the ability to make these decisions based on the algorithms which are based on our human behaviour? Well, but it would probably depend on whose behaviour they mimicked. Well, that's yeah, that's right. But now I guess that's why they do cross sections of people and they have control groups and things like that um, in these in these studies. Um, but it, it's quite, you know, at, at the end of the day, the, the study surprise surprise said that humans aren't perfect. Um, uh. But you know, we've we've developed some rules of thumb. We've we've got ways that we behave. We've developed socially acceptable um, decision based behaviours, and this is what they're looking at writing the algorithms on. Um, so that if something is put in harm's way, if a person's put in harm's way, as opposed to you know if a, if a trolley's coming yeah. at you up the up the road, as opposed to a human being, um, how does how Tell does that become recognised? Yeah, and yeah. and then what you know clearly what do you go to hit? And you go to hit something that has the less you know the less um, yeah. less damage, long term damage. Yeah. yeah, so being a human life as opposed to the trolley, like the trolley will probably do the hardest physical damage, but ethically the you know the, the damage is the human. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, thanks very much for your time again, Christina. We'll have a chat about well, another aspect of innovation next week. We certainly shall. Sometimes I think we throw up more questions than we produce answers for, Julian, <laughs> well, which is really the way it should be. Probably is, yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, you have a great week. We'll talk to you next week. You, you too. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Christina there with, uh, yeah, those products keep coming, don't they? And some of them are questionable and some of them... Uh, will obviously resolve a lot of problems. We've got time for a couple of our Harvard Business Review tips. As we said earlier, this one, make a great first impression. Whether you're interviewing for a job or making a sales call with a new client, first impressions matter. Your relationships and interactions will be a lot easier if you start off strong. And here's how to do it. First of all, do your homework. Know who you're talking to what he or she cares about, and the problem that he or she is trying to solve. Prepare relevant talking points before the meeting. Next, exclude, exude confidence. It's normal to be nervous, but you don't want your anxiety to show. Your body language should be confident and comfortable. Take long strides, sit up straight, and walk with your chest held high. Thirdly, engage and be engaging. Draw out the other person, listen to what he or she's saying, ask thoughtful questions. The better you make him or her feel, the more they are inclined to have a positive impression of you. And finally, follow up. To ensure your first impression sticks, write the person a thank you note or send them an article related to the conversation you had. And of course, with email these days, very easy to follow up. The other one that we've got here for you is, before giving a presentation, consider your audience's assumptions. When you give a presentation, you're trying to change your audience's belief about something. So it's crucial to consider what assumptions your audience holds about your topic. 
and how you want those to change. For example, let's say you're delivering a presentation to a potential university donors. You want to move them from being sceptical that the school will make good use of the money to feeling excited about the innovative research they could help support. This shift will encourage them to donate, so keep in mind when planning your presentation. Ask yourself, how do I want them to behave differently? How must their attitudes or emotions change before their behaviour can change? Acknowledge the difficulty of what you're asking them to do in order to accept your idea. If you want to make it clear that you understand their point of view, explicitly acknowledge their concerns and outline a concrete idea to address them. Focusing on what people care about will make them much more likely to change. A couple of interesting points there from the Harvard Business Review. Well, thank you once again for being me with me for the last half hour. I hope you've enjoyed the program. We've looked at uh, Renew Australia and uh, particularly them coming up and looking at the Maitland area. If you're interested, you can give them a call on 0399820785 or visit their Facebook page, Renew Australia, and have a look at their survey. We've also had a look at a couple of the latest innovative products and in a moment, Jane Klein is going to be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. Next week, we're going to talk with Kel Holliday about why businesses struggle to break through to the next level. We'll also chat about innovation with Christina and have some more business and legal news and views that might affect your business. I'd love your company for the same time for Business and the Law next week. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week. And as Tony Shish once said, stop chasing the money and start chasing the passion. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.